and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We're presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, back finally from selling all of his shares in GameStop, it's Matt Penny. Penny, how you doing, man? From selling all Sunset to back. Uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm excited to be here. I hope the listeners aren't too disappointed that you built up a big guest and it's just my dumb ass again. But hey, we're here. Let's, let's, let's party. Let's do our thing. No, we, uh, I had to, ha- I had someone cancel for reasons that maybe we'll talk about on the next podcast, but, uh, had to reschedule. It'll be for next week. No big deal. Um, but I realized that we're at the point where it is January 29th and it's about that time for a mock draft update from Penny and I, where we go back and forth drafting players and giving thoughts on kind of where this draft board stands. Obviously, this is not uh, commensurate with the mock drafts that I do on The Athletic necessarily, because these are what we would do, right? Like this is not necessarily a circumstance where we are trying to project what NBA teams will do. We are trying to explain just simply where we are on prospects. Like, for instance, I would bet you that you will hear the name Kai Jones earlier in this one than you would in NBA circles right now. But I kind of think Kai Jones is a stud. Like, same with someone like Rokas Jakobitis. Like, I feel like you're going to hear a few names early that maybe uh, won't be quite as high on my mock draft update whenever I go through and do one uh, for The Athletic. Do you have thoughts, Penny? Before we get into this. <laughs> I do. I, you, you just left me hanging there. My, my only kind of thoughts is when I was recrafting, I hadn't looked at our, I guess, combo, big boardish results from last time, is that you have had some movement in the top, in the middle of the first round. And in, not to, to go way off base here, too, but you see some of these, and it's still very heavily laden with freshmen at the top, but a lot of times people complain about not having restrictions for for guys going from high school to the NBA. And it's just been revealing with some of the freshman struggles that it could have cost the team tens of millions of dollars as the kids went straight from high school and you, you just drafted them based on the tape from there. So we've been able to see a little bit more. We can make more educated guesses than we did previously. Some guys definitely slid a couple risers, but it's uh, starting to take a little bit more shape than we had a month or two ago. No, it really is. And I'm excited to kind of run through this exercise with you. And uh, this time, instead of me just giving you a selection, we're going to flip a coin here. Okay. Oh, okay. I, I just assumed you were going first. One. Okay. A digital I, I, coin. Here, yeah. I was I was hoping that, that you just have a top 30, right? Like, or maybe at least like 25 guys that you like. Uh, yeah, I, I got crazy. And I, I have... I've made it like 75 and I've also watched plenty of FIBA Euro League action. So I have a bullet point or two to, to dunk back once you throw it to the rim. Oh, let's, let, let's go for it. All right. Here we go. Call heads or tails. <laughs> heads or tails go heads. What do you, what do you, what's the other say? All right. Heads. Yes. Okay. All right. You win. Do you want to go first or second? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go, uh, Patriots defense. I'll defer because I always go first. So you know who's going to go first. I'll let you at least start off with a cupcake. Get your feet wet. Well, it's, it's funny because I feel like based off of some chatter on the internet that people are starting to get a little bit like down on Cade Cunningham. Mm. And I do not get that 
at all. He's very good at basketball. Uh, my number one overall pick is going to be Cade Cunningham. Why do we think people are overthinking this a little bit? Uh, whew. Maybe the shooting just a little bit, but I mean, he's still shooting 39% from three. Uh, 18.6 rebounds, four assists. It's a balanced game. I think maybe a little bit because people see him, and, and you can correct me if you think I'm wrong here, maybe he's a little bit better as like a wing facilitator than necessarily like a point guard facilitating type guy. Uh, but like with pick and roll and spaced out shooters in the NBA, uh, he has the upside to be incredible. That, that's how I kind of look at it. And I was listening to uh, another pod earlier the week and Jake Howman. Don't, 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 compa- don't give that, don't give that pod any pub. Don't, don't do it. Don't don't okay. say the name of the don't say the name of the pod. They just gotta like edit edit back. Don't say it at all. Oh, dude, I was just fucking with you. I don't really care. Am I breaking like some trademark copyright law? I'm trying to like cite yeah. my sources here. Anyway, <laughs> Jake Hallman called him an, an, an offensive motherboard, which I thought was like a really good way of putting that he does a little bit of everything on the court. Like he, Kyle is so fucking good this, at that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it was out of nowhere, and I was driving. I'm like, ah, I should have thought of that. But that's way above my my uh, bandwidth. But yeah, I, I'm still right there with Kate. I, I'm I don't have any doubts. Yeah, I don't have any doubts either. I think that what we've seen so far at Oklahoma State is that he's been a bit more inclined to try and score, right? And Mm -hmm. anyone who's watched Cade Cunningham at lower levels knows that he can take over and score, but that he's also just a tremendous passer. There is not a single pass in the book that he cannot make, and he hasn't really gotten to show that yet at Oklahoma State because... Frankly, like this Oklahoma State team is not very good around him, right? Like anytime that Isaac likely is on the court, teams just don't have to guard him from three. Like they try and space him from three. Teams don't give a fuck, right? And anytime that who is the which which Boone can't shoot. There's one of them that can't shoot. Um, Keelan, I think. Yeah, Caleb can't shoot. Keelan can shoot a little bit. Keelan's, by the way, eight for 38 from three, but they still try to use him as a spacer. Like Caleb just doesn't shoot threes. So Caleb is on the court a lot of the time with likely. And then you also have like Matthew Alexander Moncrief, who has taken zero threes this year. I mean, these guys, some too. Yeah. 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 It's just really, really hard to space the floor. When you have two just pure non shooters out there and it's just not realistic to anticipate that the spacing of a college game is going to be remotely similar to the spacing of the NBA and Cade particularly, I think is a player that's going to thrive in the spacing of the NBA. We've seen nothing that makes me say that he can't get past his man. We've seen nothing that makes me say he can't get to a pull-up jumper. Uh, we've seen nothing that makes me say he can't keep a guy on his hip uh, and keep that like four-on-three advantage with his defender in jail trying to recover. I- I've just seen nothing that nothing that worries me thus far with Cade. No, not at all. I, it, it's going to be one to talk about as overthinking and. I don't know if some of it's driven just by to kind of stir up conversation and clicks and, and dialogue, but Kate is, he's been a hard number one for me for a long time. Well, here, let's go to number two. 
because the conversation is obviously Th- wrapped is, yeah. around who else the op- who are the, who the other options are, right? So number two, number two, uh, you could kind of coin flip it to me. It is very close. If it's just me right now, you know that I'm kind of like anti big, anti drafting those guys early. I'm going to go with Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I don't. I think you might have had Suggs number two, but I think you base it on team stuff too in your last mock draft, but. Uh, again, he's exceeded expectations of what we thought. So dynamic in the open court and operating with space. He's powerful on drives, keeps his head ups on reads. He has definitely cooled off a little bit from three. He was seven for 10 from three versus Iowa on December 19th. He hasn't hit more than two in a game since that. It's like a six for 27 stretch. And he, he looks great playing around great players, but he has a balanced game of 14 points, five rebounds, five assists. We'll make the extra play, dive on the floor. I just think as a dynamic playmaker that you can get second overall, that's somebody that I would feel comfortable drafting. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought up the shooting over their last 10 games. Uh, I believe that that is the number you're referencing. He has shot 29% from three. And Jalen in high school was in, look, you know Jalen a lot better than I do, but my read on him coming in was more of an inconsistent shooter than a good or bad shooter. Yeah, I would say somewhat steady. I mean, you'd have to respect it and close out, but I wouldn't say that that was necessarily like a weapon. He was known as this open court, downhill driver, get in the lane, try to dunk on people, try to finish through contact. So I was as surprised as anyone when he shot so well that early in the year. And like you have to come back down to earth at, at some point, and he has. But if you can bump that up and get it to about 38 39%, I'd feel a little bit better and not worry as much as, okay, you get this pick-and-roll coverage in the NBA, they go drop coverage, they go underneath, that he's going to be able to pull up and hit and make guys pay. The thing that I really like about Jalen, and I do think he is a top four prospect, top five prospect in this class for sure, uh, I probably would have him at number three until we at least see the G League Ignite guys, is he really drives play out on the break. And that is something that a lot of the best players in the NBA do. Not only do they finish out on the break, but they actually drive pace and push the pace uh, in order to create easier opportunities on offense. Jalen gets a ton of steals in part because he's able to gamble in passing lanes because they're really solid defensively on the back end. And they have Joel Ayayi uh, as their lead defender out on the perimeter. Who's really improved defensively. So I love the fact that he's able to create real opportunities through his full court passing, through his ability to create pick six turnovers, through his ability to just run the court because he's such an elite level athlete. Uh, that's one thing that's really stood out for me. Obviously, the pick and roll reads uh, as a passer really stand out. I think he's going to have no problem scoring uh, at the NBA level uh, as long as the jump shot gets to like a 35 to 37% clip. And I, and I think it will, to be honest. I think he profiles yeah. well as a real potential long-term all-star. Yeah, and we'll end up being probably a first-team All-American too and, and ride the wave, the momentum of the, the recency bias we talk about that he'll be fresh in, in people's minds when the draft rolls around. If Gonzaga plays out and can find their way through the bubble and pass all their tests. Yeah, you, you trust voters uh, a lot more than I do for those awards. Because he's very clearly one of the five best players in the yeah, country. I, I, yeah, but there's a, there's a real chance that like – and look, like I actually think there's a pretty real case that Corey Kispert is Gonzaga's best player right now. Uh, just on that court, he's certainly their most important player because – replacing Jalen Suggs with 
Andrew Nemhard, as we've seen this year, has not been all that detrimental to Gonzaga. Replacing Corey Kispert with whoever else is going to be there for Gonzaga uh, off the bench, like you potentially start to see some real like Martinez Arlowskis minutes, maybe, maybe Julian Strother <laughs> right. would have to play like real minutes. Um, that, that would get tricky. I think for Gonzaga. So I think there is a real case, but I would bet you that, that the college basketball voting body votes for Drew Timmy for a lot of this. Oh, so you're going Timmy Kispert first team, Suggs second. I I have real concerns about Suggs making the all American team. He should. He absolutely should. Yeah. Yeah. But I have real concerns about both Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert making the first team and voters overthinking it because i don't think much of the college basketball voting body (laughs) (laughs) no the the the, what the what i would worry about is that if voters see like okay there's there's whatever 10 to 15 spots for the second third team why am i gonna vote for three guys from one team two sure three maybe not yeah meanwhile gonzaga is like the best college basketball team that we've seen in years so like why the fuck shouldn't they have all americans (laughs) yeah do it too much okay Number three. You're up. Number three. So the guy that I feel like has gotten the biggest push ahead of Cade Cunningham is Evan Mobley. And Evan Mobley would be my number two prospect here. He goes number three. Mobley's averaging 16.4 points, 8.9 rebounds, two assists, 58% from the field. Uh, he's shooting 32% from three on 1.4, three-point attempts per game, and he's blocking three shots. I've seen some people bring up the name Anthony Davis with Evan Mobley. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I think people forget how good Anthony Davis was. <laughs> like, it is. Yeah. It, it is. Probably but the like, MVP of the team that's won a championship. Yeah. But like, even just as a prospect, uh, go back and watch the Kentucky tape with Anthony Davis. Like, there's a reason that that Kentucky team uh, went, what was it, like 38 and two? And it yeah. wasn't mm, that right. they. Like, it wasn't that they had, uh, oh, like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who is good. And, uh, their point guard was Marquise Teague, who had a 49 true shooting percentage. And Terrence Jones had a below average true shooting percentage on that team. Like, I don't mean to talk shit about, like, Darius Miller, Deron Lamb, Terrence Jones, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Marquise Teague. Like, these guys are professional basketball players, but there's a reason that, all of these guys have basically busted out of the NBA and Anthony Davis is God basically. And he is. <laughs> and Evan Mobley, you're a good, but you are not a God yet. Not yet. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent right. You could be. Like, yeah. You're goddamn good, but you're not a God. Yeah. Yeah. Like Evan Mobley. I mean, this USC team is not bad and USC has only yeah, lost thir- three games. 13 this and year. three. Yeah. Right. Right. But I mean, they lost to Oregon state and <laughs> There is no circumstance where that Anthony Davis team would have ever lost to Oregon State, and there is no circumstance where that Anthony Davis team, where everything on offense runs through him, would have ever averaged 12 points on eight shots in that game. Yeah, I can't unsee the zero field goal attempts against Utah. Utah, yeah. Like, there's, it's... Yeah, I just, is Anthony Davis taking zero shots against Utah? And, and look, he, he got fouled at the free throw line, had a couple of buckets, and he, he bounced back. He's been really good since that. But it's hard for me to buy into Anthony Davis comps when you have, I don't know, just that type of performance. I, I watched the game yesterday, and he is being more aggressive. He's rebounding over the top. He's dunking over the top of guys. He can use him as a roller, short roller. Defensively, yep. he switches quickly. He's very active. 
I also want him to get more touches late in the game. And we've, we've talked about that off, offline a little bit and demand the ball and not have no disrespect to Drew Peterson, but have Drew Peterson take like the game winning game tying shots. Yeah. The threes, I think he's seven for 20 from three, if that's right. The shot development thinks me he could play a little bit both four and five, depending on his weight. Obviously, that's a big swing thing because at his current makeup, he's going to have a very hard time guarding more physical centers. So if he is a four, you want that shot to shore up. Not, it, it, it's, I just prefer Suggs a little bit. I, I obviously see the, the talent in Evan Mobley. And, uh, if I get him at three, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied. Would Anthony Davis have allowed Azolas oh, Tubelis to go for 31 and eight against him? And just Wait, like, for perspective, I mean, high school, charter school in Chicago, maybe, but uh, Kentucky Anthony Davis, I think we'd reach, reach full red dragon transformation. I don't think so. And look, like, there's probably a lot of, uh, people who listen to this podcast and are like, you're just like shouting like random facts about Evan Mobley as opposed to breaking him down as a prospect. Look, here's what I like about Evan Mobley. He can really handle the ball Uh, for a kid that's seven foot tall. He has incredible dexterity and fluidity with ball in hand. He can do it with both hands. He's very ambidextrous. He can finish with both hands. Uh, He, I think, is going to shoot it at some point. I don't quite think he's going to shoot it at the level Anthony Davis has proven that he can shoot it. But I do think that Mobley is going to be a catch and shoot weapon at some point in his career. The downside here for me is that Evan Mobley has an incredibly high center of gravity. And you see that cause issues for him already at the college level, particularly with his defensive rebounding. He has a 17.6 defensive rebounding rate this year. Uh, he gets pushed around, pushed around like pretty easily. Every time he's going for a rebound, they're all arm rebounds or tap outs on the offensive glass just because he's bigger and taller and longer than everyone else. He's not going to be bigger, taller than, and longer than Steven Adams, Rudy Gobert, Clint Capella, uh, let alone guys like Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, etc. So, like, he's not even going to be bigger and longer and stronger than JaVale McGee early in his career, right? So, that's the thing that really worries me here is, yeah, I think he's going to be a good defender. Yeah, I think he's going to be something of a shot creator, uh, probably more of a secondary shot creator that you want next to a primary and a guy that could average 20 points and be like a top five defensive center in the NBA. So those things are all very valuable and they're very, very good and very important to a team that's trying to win basketball games. Like I I think Evan Mobley is a future all-star player in the NBA, but I just don't really see the like the the all time talent that I think is starting to get thrown around with Mobley in a way that uh, makes me a little bit uncomfortable uh, in regard to some of the things being said, because I don't think that they really have basis in reality. And some fan bases don't have basis in reality. And I'd also have the disclaimer that it's going to take some time. You got to be patient. We're seeing yeah. it right now with, with James Wiseman with 15 games in, like he has 25 and six. He's great. And then he has eight and eight and looks a little bit lost. Like big guys take longer to develop. He's going to need more reps. He'll get there, but it's not going to be a plug and play that you could argue that I would think a Cade or Suggs could do from the jump. No, I totally agree. And, uh, look, like Evan Mobley, like he might end up being like Chris Boshy, like Chris Bosch, I think is going to make the Hall of Fame and made 
eight or nine all-star games, right? Like he might end up being, um, you know, I don't mean this is like a direct comparison, but like LaMarcus Aldridge, where, you know, seven time all-star, five time all NBA guy. Like the, I think that that's more the speed that I see for Evan Mobley. And by the way, those guys have made, you know, upwards of $200 million in their career. And they're <laughs> right. uh, like, this is not me like shitting on any of this. Like, I think he's an incredible prospect, but like we're, we're starting to get into territory that is uh, a little bit, a little bit frustrating for me to see. Maybe we have to slow down, pump the brakes a little bit. Don't have to slam on them, just pump them, slow them down. Yeah, like and like maybe it is. Maybe it's what you said. Like maybe people are just trying to drive conversation about like Cade Cunningham maybe not being the number one pick. Like I've seen some people post uh, like real plus minus models where like. Isaac likely performs way better in their real plus minus models than Cade Cunningham does. <laughs> right. And it's just like, yeah, no, I had someone that's like the old fashioned Ewing theory. Like one of my buddies texted me that during the game where Cade was out in the first half. <laughs> Cause I jokingly said like, oh, I wish I knew he was out. I'd tell you to hammer the line on Baylor. And it was like tied at half. I said, take it back. And then Baylor won by like 20. I'm like, I told you to hammer the line, but like they came out right. of the gates looking strong. It was like, maybe this is a, a just some byproduct of, rising to the occasion without him on the court right and like i i think that people are relying a little bit too much on numbers that came from like texas southern oakland oral roberts when you have ut arlington like when you have four of your 14 games so far that really don't mean much from an evaluation standpoint it's gonna just like totally fuck up the numbers like Cade cunningham played what was it? It was like 27 minutes against Texas Arlington. And that's like the fewest minutes that he's played in a game. And then in the minutes where he didn't play, they like totally blew out Texas Southern because it's Texas Southern. Like who gives a fuck? Right. And <laughs> yeah. like, no, no disrespect to Texas Southern. Texas like, Southern. Yeah. You know, that. shout out, shout out Johnny Jones. Who's dealt with the, <laughs> uh, one and done prospect in Ben Simmons in the past. But like guys let's just pump the brakes on all of this uh we need to chill a little bit especially this year where we don't know where we don't know the context even whenever you're just doing like base analytics right of like michigan state for instance having to stop playing for three weeks essentially and then going to Rutgers and losing by 30 points and scoring 37 yeah so like I, I'm, I'm for. I love analytics. Like I'm all for it. Like please continue to like send me numbers, and I continue to use numbers and try to create stuff. But like Jesus Christ, guys, come on! Like don't miss the forest for the trees here. Okay. All right. Evan, Evan Mobley, number three. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I'm, okay. I'm four. You're up at four. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to jump in. Still not a lot of information on this guy, but I'm going to go with Jonathan Kaminga. He also yep. somehow has, has I think, entered this kind of like top two, three-ish conversation with just the couple scrimmages that are out there and, and a little bit of practice film. We're going to learn more in the bubble. You're betting on the two-way production from him and switchability for a 6'8 guy with a 7-foot-plus wingspan. 
He's strong. He has a body to withstand physical play as that combo forward position. The swing skill is definitely going to be the jumper, which, which looks better. It looks a little bit more fluid in scrimmages. He hit like that running short jumper. He played off a of pick and roll. He can screen and, and pop out. He can short roll and make plays. Needs to do it a, li- a little bit more within a, a team concept and within the flow of an actual offense. But I luckily have circled Wednesday, February 10th at 10 a.m. versus the Santa Cruz Warriors. We're going to get to see this team in action in the G League bubble. I'm so excited. The the Nico Mannion yeah, no, versus... Not for you because that... Ooh, 11 a.m. So what time is that for you? You're not going to do an all-nighter. That 11 a.m. our time's like no, 2 a.m. your time. I will be sleeping. And... Yeah. <laughs> I will be very happily sleeping and wake up to a lot of text messages and then watch the game on Synergy. Shout out the good friends at Synergy. Um, Yes, Synergy is the best. Real quick, I want to, just going back to the numbers thing, because Jordan Sperber, uh, who is just the greatest human being, uh, I love Jordan so much, uh, just sent out his weekly newsletter and I happened to click it. And he is talking about analytics and Jordan's a former analytics director for multiple college teams. And he dives into the fact of how difficult it is to do analysis this season. I, I'm just going to quote like the top of his newsletter, which everyone should, uh, should subscribe to because I think it's just spectacular. Uh, it's called hoop vision plus. And he said, theoretically, this should be a great season for basketball research. Have you ever wondered how big of a role a crowd plays in home court advantage and how it swings games? Well, we have games being played with no fans. If you've ever wondered about the importance of being in game shape when coming back from an injury, we have teams being shut down for two weeks and then thrown back into live action right away. But when you sit down and begin researching, there's one massive issue. Everything is abnormal this season with so many different variables at play. Isolating cause and effect, finding correlations, and discerning signal versus noise are all nearly impossible. So we need to just chill on some of the uh, advanced models at times. Okay, yeah, you're digging through. You're digging through emails for facts while we're talking about other guys. This is really sticking in your craw. Yeah, I'm getting frustrated by the whole conversation. Yes. Um, okay, so number five, we're not going to talk a ton about the ignite guys because we talked about them uh, last week to a pretty significant extent jalen green is number five just a hyper elite athlete uh super score gonna get separation with ease i would expect him to average 20 points and like five assists just given the usage that he's probably gonna have for this g league ignite team uh in that bubble concern for me remains just the efficiency of decision making and willingness to like truly sit down and defend despite tools that say like he can be a very 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 very, very good defender okay uh, do you have any other things to add about Jalen Green? No, just the archetype you want in a two-guard, right locker room developmental system, I think, could help all that stuff. And again, uh, please, if you're looking for more on Jalen Green, Penny and I just did a very long breakdown on the G League Ignite guys uh, last week. It's in the title. I-, I would implore you to go search there. So, uh, number six, you're up. Yeah, six. This this is when it gets crazy for me. I think from six to 15, I, I, it's kind of like... Uh, I guess that's what we're doing. I'm going to go with Zaire Williams. I know he's been kind of inconsistent. He's now stepping away, and we won't speculate on any of that stuff. It's not what we're here to do. As a prospect, I know he's he's lacked that first step burst. We thought that it would kind of come back after the, the knee injury healed. It, it wasn't necessarily there. But based on who he was in high school and what we saw enough earlier in the year, 
I'm betting on a guy who has good size as a wing forward, 6'7 plus, 12.5 points per game, almost six rebounds. The shot has, has dipped a little bit too, but the 84% free throw percentage gives me hope and gives me faith that he'll get back to full form soon. Yeah, and I do just want to point out as well some of the difficulties that are kind of going on with that Stanford program. So, like, they don't really have a practice gym. They don't have, like, a facility to go work out in. They don't have a weight room. Like, these kids can't go up and get extra shots. Like, they're particularly Stanford uh, by nature of being in the Bay Area where restrictions have been uh, really, really imposed. They have had as difficult a time from an off the court, like not just games perspective as any team in the country. And I think that evaluators are going to have to take that into account when considering Stanford's performance this year, when considering Zaire Williams's performance this year, because uh, this is a kid obviously who got hurt uh, earlier in the year. I think he had like a little knee injury. Obviously he was coming off of an injury as, as well. Right, Matt? Yes. So it's, uh, I, I think that I still have faith in Zaire. Uh, I would also have him at number six right now. Right. I think that I was worried about that. Yeah. yeah. I think the ceiling and floor outcomes are a little bit wider than normal for a number six prospect like Zaire is, but I would pretty comfortably take him at number six. Yeah, the only other thing I'll add is that exactly what you're saying. I mean, they were like working out on out, outdoor courts, and I think they like just went back to campus and they released a video either today or yesterday, and it was a really emotional thing because they've been living in a hotel and, like you said, they brought weights in the hotel and they're very strict with stuff. So just like we can't jump to conclusions about fans and, and playing and this and that, just it's it's a funky funky year to evaluate everything. Yeah. Number seven for me, I'm going to go, I guess, with what I think would be a little bit of a surprise. I am going to go Corey Kispert here. Oh. And it's really just kind of simple to me. Yeah. I have way more faith in Corey Kispert being at least like a good rotation player in the NBA than I do anyone once we get past the top five. Uh, he is a hyper elite three-point shooter who is shooting 49.5% from three on six attempts per game this season, despite being at the top of scouting reports every night. And by the way, this is not an outlier situation because last year he shot 44% from three over his last 303 point field goal attempts. He is shooting 46% from three. He moves exceedingly well without the ball. He can knock down relocation jumpers with ease, like takes two dribbles, can take a step back for three, takes two dribbles, uh, can pound dribble, pull up from the mid range. Or if you close out way too heavy and blow by, he's going to go right to the rim and finish with devastating efficiency because he's shooting almost 70% from two point range this year. Uh, he is a real shot to go 60, 50, 90. <laughs> This season, yeah. which <laughs> That's is some type of record, is that good? Yeah, yeah, is that good? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, <laughs> look, I don't think Corey Kispert is going to be like an NBA star necessarily, but there are few guys that I have more faith in than him being uh, a high level NBA uh, starter. In all honesty, I think he's going to be really, really good, and he doesn't really give back a ton defensively. I actually had him at seven too. That's why I exclaimed because I thought I was going to like steal your, your thunder again. And you had him right there. The only thing I'd add is, and this is a big reach and pretty corny, but 
he's like a national fast food chain. It's the same everywhere, and you know what you're going to get. Like, it doesn't change. Like, he's going to hit shots. He's going to move without the ball. There hasn't been, like, dips in production or his style of game. He's shooting 58% of the field, 89% of the free throw line. You list off the three-point numbers. It's, uh, it's just a sure, sure bet, sure thing, like you kind of echoed. Is that John Rothstein's music? <laughs> it's not. I don't, I don't think so, no. He probably has that dialed up somewhere. Seriously, Rothstein. Like, wow, what, can I, what can I compare it to? Rothstein, if you're listening, steal that from Penny, please. Please. Oh do it. Just give him some residuals the t- on the t-shirt, The t-shirt's man. being printed. Yeah, drop printed. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, number eight. You're up. Number eight, not fast food. I'm on James Booknight from UConn. Sure. Sideline with injury right now. Liked what I saw before that. We all kind of saw this ascension coming at the end of last season. Over 20 points per game on 45% shooting from the field. Very athletic. Flew with both hands. Fairly solid defensive principles we touched on last episode. And has that takeover ability as shown with that 40-point game versus Creighton. So at 8, that's where I think that I would kind of uh, settle in on there. The 32% from 3, not great, but it's been such a small sample this season as well with the injury. Yeah, also who I have at number 8 right now. Uh, Look, I I don't really totally know what to do with book night because they got shut down due to COVID at one point. He also is dealing with the elbow injury. I think he's great. I think he's a really, really good basketball player. Uh, I worry a little bit about the jump shot. Do you have any concerns about like just him being, cause th- for this skill set to work, he probably needs to be a 38% three point shooter to get the most out of it. And he's not there yet at that level. He does. Even that crate game, I would say like he was making shots, but not necessarily a shooter as weird as, as weird as that sounds. Like it, every time it came off, it wasn't the cleanest and, and looked the same. And he's going to have to bump that up. But the athletic stuff and what he'll be able to do even more in the open court will hopefully do enough to show value at eight overall. Okay. Number nine. I'm trying to decide if I want to like super reach. <laughs> Or, oh, it's like we're, we're, it's, we're using like the same Google sheet to to make picks right now. So I, I appreciate a, a reach, something to shake up the system. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Kai Jones. <laughs> How high did you have Kai Jones? Uh, I got him right there, friend Sam. Do you really? Yeah. So this is, we're way higher on Kai Jones yeah. than I think everyone else is. Uh, at the end of the day, what it comes down to for me is that this dude is just <laughs> like a total ridiculous athlete. It, and it's the way that the athleticism functions on the court. It's the fluidity, like it's the vertical pop. Uh, he's a good lateral athlete that I think at some point is going to be very switchable. I don't think that NBA teams quite have Kai this high. I, I would say he's more like if I was putting a mock draft together, I'd probably have him more in like the 14 to 20 zone right now. But this is the big guy that you're looking for in today's NBA from a skill set perspective. He can knock down shots. He can handle the ball. He is a hard worker in terms of off ball movement. He sets screens. He runs hard to the rim. He can move laterally. And I know that he's only blocking point six shots per game right now i mean i think he can like actually protect the rim at some point he's not like quite there rotationally and instinctually yet 
I think at some point he's going to be a really, really good rim protector. He is not anywhere near like an Evan Mobley level prospect because I think the floor is way lower because he's a lot rawer from a skill set perspective than Mobley is. But the upside here is really high. He is a really, really just ridiculous talent. Every game, it seems like he puts it together a little bit more, too, than the game before. The defensive upside for me, how he can guard three through five, he can trap. He can deflect passes. He protects the rim a little bit. Like you said, I, I think just based on what he does out of that dunker spot, and you see how explosive and how quick twitch he is, that that can also work down the other end. He shot that ungodly percentage from three to start the year and didn't miss a yeah. field goal until game four. So like we were joking about, oh, he's down to 93% today. It, it still can be a weapon. It, the jumper has grown by leaps and bounds. And then he has games like he did against Oklahoma where he gives yep. it 15, 10, two blocks, two steals. And definitely still seems lost at times, so it makes you feel good about him as a prospect. Yeah, no, the, the Oklahoma game was really interesting just because it was the first one where he like really got some like leash to go out and play because Jericho Sims didn't play. And I mean, he was all over the place, like in a, in a bad way at times as well. But I mean, 15, 10, three assists, two steals, two blocks. Like, I, I think that if you gave him a chance to play the five all the time and gave him 30 plus minutes, the numbers would be right there. He is a special talent, I think. Yeah, that's a, a stellar endorsement, I think, from both of us. Okay, number 10. Number 10. Also, I think a little bit of a reach, but I'm going to go with Sharif Cooper from Auburn. Yeah, I have him at 11, so... Ooh, ooh, that one snuck in there. I think I know who it's going to be. Magician with the basketball sees the game so well. It's really like two moves ahead. I won't make a Queen's Gambit reference. He single-handedly transformed that Auburn season. He doesn't know how to defend. I don't know if it's just size or lack of effort or or what's going on out there. His shooting is still bad. He's 5 for 27 from 3. And he's going to have to use that floater a little bit better over bigger players that are be in the NBA as well. But the way that he can create for himself and others, the way he makes the defense react and he can hook passes to the corner, throw shots at the rim for guys to dunk, it's almost like sometimes Auburn players are surprised by how well he places the ball. Yeah. And I, I like him as a creator. I like Again, there's some hesitation. Is he just like a high-level backup? But for right now, who's left on the board, he's who I like. Yeah, no, I don't really have a problem with Sharif Cooper going here. Uh, Rob Doster, friend of the program, sent me this number earlier today in a text group that we have. And he asked the question, who are the only prospects in like the last five or six years to average 22 points, eight and a half assists and five rebounds over the course of a full season? Can you name them Matt Penny? How, How many are there? There's one other who has the rebounding and then through including that guy, there are three others who have the re- or who do not have the rebounding, the, but have the, 22 points and eight and a half assists. I'm, I'm on the spot. This is like, who wants to be a millionaire? It, there wasn't a height thing on it, though, right? It was just like playing on No stats. height. Yeah. Peyton Pritchard on the list. Peyton is not on the list. Oh, uh, Trey Young. Trey Young is on the list of points and assists. He did not reach the rebounding threshold, but that's one. Okay. I would say just in the... Um, just for time constraints here, I'd say roll it out because my brain works slower and statistically than yours. So there's one other obvious one. It's John Morant. Uh, at okay. State. Yeah, I didn't yeah. even think that. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy that also met the rebounding threshold. And 
<laughs> fourth one, Kay Felder out at Oakland. Shout out Kay oh, Felder. How did we forget him? Yeah. How, how did we forget Kay Felder? Yeah. I think, was he a Cavs draft pick? Is that right? Uh, again, you're the encyclopedia draft. I, I think so. Sounds correct. <laughs> Sounds right. Okay. So, but yeah. that's the, yeah, we're going to roll with it. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the uh, yeah. that's the list and that's the statistical threshold that Sharif Cooper is in right now. We're, we're in like rarefied air where like four guys are even remotely in his ballpark in terms of production so far. So Sharif Cooper, really good pick. I think at number 10, I have no problem with him going there. Number 11, I'm going to steal your guy. I'm going to go Moses Moody. Wow. What a heel turn from you. Okay. I also have yeah. Moses Moody at 11. Or let's just read off the same paper going forward. I have real concerns about Moses Moody. He is averaging 17 points, six rebounds, and shooting 45 from the field and 36 from three, 81% from the line. I think he's a very clear three and D prospect. It's just a really easy fit. I worry about what happens when he goes up against guards at the next level. Uh, I don't think his feet are like elite necessarily in terms of quickness, but I do think that he is someone that, uh, that is going to be able to knock down shots off the catch at the next level. He can take relocation jumpers at the next level and will at least provide some defensive versatility because he's six, six with a seven foot wingspan. I like his frame for the position, too. I just want a little bit more consistent production. I have him at 11, but his last four games, 28 points on 25 shots, 5 points on 9 shots, 26 points on 16 shots, and then 5 points on 3 shots. It's like somehow split the difference and you're good, but it can't be such a an up-and-down thing. Yeah, and look, right now his true shooting percentage against what Ken Palm defines as tier A and B is 45.4. I have real concerns about what he looks like going up against high level competition consistently. I think there's a real chance that on the next one of these, we do that he drops like pretty by a pretty real amount, but it's just hard for me to pick anyone else than him right yep. now. So number 12, you're up. I have number 12 and we might stray a little bit here. I'm going to go Scotty Barnes from Florida state. Yeah. No, that's who I have. <laughs> this is something. Okay. Uh, Make some things happen off the bounce. He sees the game well at, at six foot eight, six foot nine, and guard multiple spots. He's in that FSU system of twenty three ish minutes per game, so his, his numbers aren't gaudy by any means at ten four and four. I am really worried about the shot at twenty nine percent from three and forty nine percent from the free throw line. And I also need someone to explain to me how he's considered a point guard and a Koozie Horde finalist. But I, I like him as a, a a team guy, a glue guy at the next level, can guard multiple spots, play multiple positions offensively. But he does have to figure out that three-point shot because guys are just going to play way off him. Yeah, agree. Uh, super size, six foot eight, seven foot two wingspan, great frame. Really good passer that I think is going to work more in – screen and short roll settings then is going to work in primary like pick and roll settings but if you get them like on the semi break or even just grabbing and going off the backboard i do think he's going to be able to make decisions in those circumstances yes right on okay number 13 this is this is a difficult i'm gonna go Keon johnson here i don't feel awesome about it necessarily i will say that i think keon has shown some real flashes recently 
that give me a bit more hope. He's entered the starting lineup seemingly full time. I would like to see him shoot better from the foul line, particularly because he is drawing fouls at a pretty real rate right now. He's drawing about six fouls per 40 minutes, which is top 100 in the country. I'd like to see him shoot in general, but he's an elite level defender. He's six foot five. He has pretty good length. He is a super athlete vertically. And I think he's still coming back from that injury because he keeps adding just like a little bit more burst every time I see him. And I, I dig him. Like I, I will, I will keep going to the mat for Keon Johnson. Cause I think at some point he's going to figure it out this year. You keep hacking away a spot or two, but he's right there. I had him a 13 as well. This is definitely a futures pick and not necessarily right here, right now. Needs to put it all together. Tennessee's very good. He doesn't have to go full Sharif Cooper every game. I want that signature performance. He had 16 points against Vanderbilt, which was very solid. Just again, not necessarily spectacular. Moves well, defends everything he does within the flow of the offense. Uh, I'm not down on that one. Yep. Okay. You're up at 14. Yep. You're going to crush me, but I'm going to go Jalen Johnson from Duke. I have him in this range. I don't quite have him there, but yeah, I I just got here and yeah, it is fine. I just kind of kicked around some names like, okay, still six foot eight. Uh, this pick is for like the Pitt, Georgia Tech, Coppin State, Jalen Johnson, and not necessarily like the the Louisville, Michigan State, Illinois, Jalen Johnson. Oh, so good go. teams he's played. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's out on that one. Uh, grab and go combo forward does have plus vision. Won't be the centerpiece of any offense in the NBA, and will be able to play. I would say with more creative freedom and less of a burden to produce, which it seems like he carries with him. Uh, I think we would just say as a blanket statement from everyone down from Corey Gispert, like just worried a little bit about the jumper and yeah. it, it's not great from college three. It set, extends out to pro. The form needs retooling. Uh, it, it's going to have to get better, but from a creativity standpoint from the three, I'm going to bet a little bit on him to figure it out. Okay. The last guy that I have, I, I've talked enough about Jalen Johnson. I don't need to do it anymore. Um, the last guy I have is a lottery prospect right now and i don't feel great about having his lottery prospect either but the last guy that's in my top 14 is franz wagner at michigan so have we have we finally separated a little bit in terms of board i had him at 17 okay so we kind of flipped so i had jalen johnson right in that range you had franz wagner uh right in that range is like a few spots lower than i did as well so with wagner really smart basketball player, really high-level instinctual defender, rebounds well for his position because he's so big for his size because he's essentially a 3-4. He's not his brother who was just a 5. Uh, really just knows how to get into passing lanes, knows how to get deflections, really good weak side rim protector uh, who helps make up for Hunter Dickinson uh, kind of getting lost a bit in the drop coverage from time to time. Uh Overall, just a really, really sharp and sinkable player. He's going to have to shoot it. He's at 32% from three this year. I think he is going to shoot it. The other skill I do really want to point out, he's an excellent passer. Sees all of the reads on the court. Can make like a, if he's spotting up in the corner, he can pump fake, take two dribbles, hit the opposite cross corner for a wide open three. Like he is a really, really smart basketball player to the point where I think that it's going to translate well at the NBA level. Very steady game. I do like his size. He knows how to use his size. Offensively, with those kind of running hook shots, quick release from three, he hits enough where you have to close out. Does definitely have that defensive versatility. I don't always buy the foot speed. There's been some stuff he's he's been on an island and, and burnt by. The shooting, I'm, I'm not 
particularly worried about 50% from the field and an 87% free throw shooter. So he'll get there. Yep. No question. Okay. Number 16, you're up. Yep. I'm going to go Cam Thomas from LSU. Okay. I had Cam a little bit lower. So we're starting to actually dif- like differ now in terms of board. Good. Give a little flavor to it. Volume shooter and scorer. Maybe best serve initially as an NBA backup coming off the bench, being that instant offense. He's down to 28% from three. Does average 22%. I'm sorry. Does average 22 points per game. Not shy. Can pull from anywhere with a sliver of open space. And I say that as a positive just because they do run a lot of action for him at LSU, but I feel like he can create his own offense to make that space too. Uh, he gets his buckets, but hasn't shot over 38% for the field since like last year, since 1229. Uh, I do wonder a little bit how he's able to dial it down and fit within the framework of an NBA offense and not just him and Trenton Warford going shot for shot. Yeah, I was a bit more excited about him on the last mock draft that we did. Uh, I'm less excited about him now. Uh, he is not really shooting well. He is not doing anything other than just scoring at a volume yeah. level. Uh, right. Yeah, not for me at this point. Like I had him down at 25. So All right. we're at a, space. Yeah, we're, we're at a we're point where there's some yeah. space. So this is good. Okay. Next up for me is number 20, or where are we at? 17, right? We're at 17. Yes. 17. I am going to go with someone else who does not really pass at all and who is <laughs> not really shooting all that well. I think that Josh Christopher's game is just Ooh. kind of the better version of Cam Thomas's game. Okay. Because he actually can rebound and defends better and like seems to actually give a shit about whether or not they win or lose like i know that they're not winning or losing yeah. but <laughs> like last night yeah. or they're not winning but like i feel uh. like he cares about if they win or lose so i have some real concerns about a lot of his game i don't feel great about having him at 17 I also think that this Arizona State situation is just kind of a nightmare. They don't at all have people who like to play, make, or pass. Like, they don't have a table setter. Uh, Marcus Bagley is just like catch, attack, close out. Remy Martin is bring the ball up, try and drive, and throw up a shot. Uh, Josh Christopher is bring the ball up try to drive, throw up a shot. Alonzo Verge is bring the ball up, try to drive, throw up a shot. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, they, they just don't really have someone who can like collapse a defense and then kick out. And that I think kind of causes issues for the rest of their offense. If Christopher got more open three point opportunities, I do wonder what his percentage would look like. I, I don't feel great about where I have him. Put it that way. Uh, I do have him at number 17 right now, though. I, you can also tell he's frustrated on the on the struggling team, and you hope scouts remember that 28-point performance against Villanova where he did show the whole package. There's value in that scoring. The 1.3 assists per game do scare me a little bit. I had him at 21, so not a, a huge gap. Yeah. Um, catch and shoots this year, by the way, and uh, about three-fourths of them are guarded catch and shoots, by the way, <laughs> which is just staggering. Uh one of, that's one of the higher synergy numbers I've seen in terms of guarded versus unguarded catch and shoots. Uh, yeah, just, just ridiculous. Just absolutely absurd how many of his shots end up being contested because no one is actually like 
breaking down defenses. It's just dribble, drive, escape pass, dribble, drive, escape pass versus like passes that actually hurt uh, defenses and make them scramble a little bit. But I've got Christopher at number 17 here. Who are you going to go with at 18? I'm going to go with David Johnson from Louisville. Yep. He was next for me. All right. Good. Stole your thunder. Uh, we talked about a lot last pod. Don't have to go crazy here, but six five, strong frame, long arms, big hands. Coaches will tell you he has a forty inch plus vertical leap, despite having no dunks in the year. You hope you can channel that a little bit. His shots way better. Has to add to it if he keeps lacking that wiggle off the bounce. But at at eighteen in this range, I, I think he's like more of a, a sureish thing. There's not like you're betting on Josh Christopher or you're betting on Cam Thomas to come in and score. I think he's just going to be solid all around. Not hurt you. All right. Like I said, or like Matt said, we talked a decent amount about David Johnson on the last podcast. I don't think we need to belabor that point. So let's go to number 19. Number 19, I'm going to go Rokas Jakubaitis. Let's go. Who, Penny, how much have you watched of Rokas Jakubaitis? Uh, I watched two games because he's on the same team as Nigel Hayes, Steve Astoria, and Thomas Walkup. <laughs> But Love like it. not not nearly as much as you have. Uh, so Jacobitis, really really smooth playmaker. Basically, I mean, what do you want to call him? I would call him a point, but it's almost like a Goran Dragic point where he is more of a scoring point than like a true passing point. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, so really good decision maker. Does make the right pass regularly. Uh, has great touch on little floater push shots has great touch from distance. He's shooting 35% from three. Uh, he is already uh, a very high level rotation player for a Euro league team in Jagiris over in Lithuania uh, plays 20 minutes a night, even in their Euro league games, he's shooting 50% from the field, 38% from three 80 from the line in Euro league play, which is not easy. Uh, three assists per game, about eight points per game. Just a, a guy that I think profiles really well to be able to play off the bench at the next level. And maybe even, uh, as a starter in the right situation, if he has another primary bigger wing playmaker next to him. Yeah, I didn't. I watched all the the Euro League stuff, but just again, full disclosure, I, I'm not as good knowing uh, where to put them versus lack sure. of competition. Like you've watched them a lot more than me, so I've just kind of worked my little analysis, but didn't have my big board. Good with either hand. I, I thought it was really good how he flew off screens to get open. He loves that little head jerk move coming off of screens to like try to get a foul can be pretty herky jerky the athleticism I, I did worry a little bit about he was blocked the rim so he's gonna have to adjust but everything else i uh i co-sign okay you are up at number 20 that was number 19 okay 20 i'm going greg brown from texas yeah that's where i had him okay uh i, I swear we didn't like share our homework before we got here uh his no. stock's been all Penny over the place. apparently has a google doc and i have a <laughs> notes pad a notepad. I, I stay up and study and you, you show up. You're like the savant. Uh, he started to embrace more of being a four than a three. And then he kind of turned back some. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to shoot threes again all the time. I like him if the three is the secondary piece of his game and not the primary. Can be really good run and jump on both ends. The thing that really sticks out to me, he has 12 points and eight rebounds. Team's been very good. He only has one assist all year. I, I just don't know how that's even a possibility. 
Yeah, th- this is just like kind of an all athlete like package of skills right now. Not necessarily yeah. a skilled package of skills. Uh, there's, there's, I- I've seen very little from Greg Brown so far this year that makes me uh, that makes me believe he's ready to play in the NBA right now. But there is some real athletic traits there that profile exceptionally well to the nba if he gets in the right developmental situation and can work through some of these issues uh i actually am realizing i had a guy ahead of him so i I did not have brown at 20 but i think um, that we're we're also in the range now where it's kind of like what's your your view on the draft because like greg brown's a total like not i would say reach but it's an athlete it's a long-term thing it's not a right now in the shakeout, it's like, what other gambles are you taking late in the first round over maybe a surefire multi-year point guard? Okay, uh, I'll give you one that I'm going to take. Number 21 for me is going to be Josh Giddy out here Ooh. in Australia. You watched a few of Giddy's games, right? I did, yeah. Yeah, I'm in. so... I'm in, I'm in on uh, NBL, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Penny sends me a text message two days ago. <laughs> He's like, I'm officially in on the NBL. It's just like a ball screener, absolutely clotheslining this, uh, big defender coming up. Or was it a guard defender? I can't remember. Just like yeah. annihilating him with like an arm. Or was it, uh, was it like a forearm shiver? Like it was ridiculous. It, it was. And he kind of like flopped a little bit. And you're like, yeah, that's like a Wednesday. Like, welcome to the party, dude. Like, this is, this is kind of how they play. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm here for the cinema. Oh, man. Uh, so Giddy is who I have next. Josh Giddy's been really good so far in the NBL. Uh, the, Field goal percentage is not necessarily there, but he is productive basically across the board. He's averaging 10 points, 8.3 rebounds, 5.3 assists per game. Uh, plays at his own pace for sure. Uh, look, I understand that this is not going to be the most creative comparison, but he really, there is a lot of Joe Ingles there in terms of his game. Like I'm not, I'm not just like, Saying, oh, the six foot eight Australian guy looks like the six <laughs> yeah. foot eight Australian guy. Like, yeah. look, well, uh, th- that comp happens all the time with lefties. Like, oh, yeah, right. he's Jalen Rose. Is he or is he just a lefty that kind of shoots? Yeah. Right, exactly. Uh, I-, I don't mean to do that with Josh Giddy, but genuinely, he is very similar to Joe Ingles in that he is a big ball handling pick and roll guy who probably does not have enough burst to be a primary playmaker. He's going to be best as a secondary second side uh, pick and roll side pick and roll guy who gets into the paint and then makes super high level passing reads and knocks down floaters or tries to, you know, get all the way to the rim and score. He makes really, really high level, high IQ passing decisions. Uh, Likes to try and shoot passing lanes. He's not a great defender yet because he's not particularly strong, but he's really, really gifted. I'm not quite sure the jump shot is there, and that's where the Ingles thing falls apart because Ingles has turned himself into a wildly high-level shooter, whereas Giddy is just not that yet. Ingles was not like a crazy shooter when he came out either, by the way. So there is that aspect of it, but over... Uh, over Giddy's last few games, he has really kind of morphed into someone that's figuring things out pretty quickly. Uh, his game against Southeast Melbourne was 
outrageously good. He had 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, his game against the Breakers, the most recent one, had 13 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. It, he is a very real high IQ talent at that size. And guys that are six foot eight who can dribble past you and have great work ethics i'm gonna buy into that basically every day of the week yeah i like this feel for the game he has really unreal placement of passes i'd say too similar yep. not not sharif coopery but like he had one kind of post feed from the top of the key around his defender and then like put it into the middle of the lane where only the offensive player could catch it and the guy was on his back and i was like that's pretty impressive it is still super skinny he was bumped off his path really with ease and like fell over a lot yep the, the shot is funky to me. He kind of like dribbles into a set shot, if that makes sense. He like yep. dribbles into it, kind of slows down and shoots flat footed. And, uh, yeah, I just, uh, again, for context, I didn't know necessarily where to put him. I had him at 26. Uh, my, my red flags were that he fixes his hair every other play. NBA and, Chalamet, baby. <laughs> and, but, but what pulled me back in, he's on the same team as Isaac Humphreys, who's the ex-boyfriend of Hannah from Below Deck. It all comes back no. to It's a small world. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get NBA Chalamet a below deck uh, cast member. Love we got to do it. That's gotta, the next step. Maybe. It out. Yeah, he'll level up. That is that is Giddy's next step toward being a first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. You're up at 22. Yeah, we're going to stay point guards here after I just said don't draft point guards. You're drafted two in a row. I'm going to go with Jared Butler. Okay. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. He's answered a lot of the critics. While being yeah. the leader of a, a top two team in the country, doesn't get rattled. That Texas Tech game, he was two for 10. He didn't score until late, but the baskets at the end were huge. The next game, he wakes up and goes for 30 against Kansas. Smart, smooth game, shooting the ball exceptionally well, 51% from the field, 48% from three, 17-5 and four offensively. Uh, again, kind of just more of a, a sure thing and, and not a, not necessarily uh, uh, the highest ceiling of the world, but maybe a higher floor than you'd expect from some other guys here. Yeah, no, I like that one. Uh, definitely a first-round talent. Like, no question in my mind. Uh, he is kind of like I mentioned a lot, dribble, pass, shoot, skill set. That works at the NBA level right now. Being able to knock down shots at 40% to 38%, being able to make high-level passing reads, and being able to create plays with his handle. I think his handle is so... Uh, just it's a very tight handle and it's very technically sound he is not some guy who has like a ton of crazy wiggle right but yeah, right because his handle is so technically sound like he'll like whip a crossover and just fucking make some guy like really go like the opposite way it's uh he's he's an impressive player i really like him no i'm a fan i don't know if he choose gum all game or choose the inside of his mouth too but he's just uh, a cool customer <laughs> okay 23 I'm going to go Jaden Springer. Mm. So it's hard to get past some of the like efficiency and production and defense skill sets here that he has. Like he's shooting 52% for or 52% from the field, 56 from three, 70% from the line. Like he's knocked down shots this year. It's a very set shot that takes some time to get into, but definitely seems to have enough touch to be a shooter long term. Really defends his ass off on the perimeter. I love that. Has great physicality uh, at 204 pounds. I think he's really good. Uh, I think he's a really useful role player for Tennessee. My concerns are more about the way he plays and how it translates to the next level. He's going to have to do some... Uh, do some real developmental work in terms of his footwork. He really 
only goes off of two feet around the mm-hmm. basket. Uh, cannot jump off of one right now. And that just does not work in the next level. Because if you try and go up off of two and you're six foot four without much length and you're 200 pounds and you're trying to go through Rudy Gobert or you're even trying to go through uh, Mason Plumley, who we mentioned earlier on this podcast, right? Like that just doesn't happen at the next level. These guys are too big and too strong and too long and too athletic. So he's going to have to really work through some of the craft with his finishing. He's going to have to work through, uh, frankly, just decision-making and passing as well. I think that a lot of his assists, they come within the flow of the offense, but like they aren't super high-level reads necessarily, where like he's making these incredible uh, like passes that make the defense scramble and fly everywhere. But a talent that I would be happy to try and develop right now, uh, late in the first round, but definitely a flyer nonetheless, because this is, this is going to take some time. And more athletic than he's given credit for off two feet. He has become a better jumper. It is a, a low jump. It is two feet. I've seen him play a lot because he was on the Under Armour circuit for BMA's Elite from 15 new on. So I've really been watching him for four years. And then it was at IMG Academy. He can find his own offense. Like you said, I, I just want him to rely a little bit less on the bully ball stuff. He's able to get yeah. in the lane. He kind of does those short little fadeaways, but you need the three to hit. You need to be able to to finish and, and rise up and extend. But right here, I, we're just in a space now where it's a lot of a lot of flyers and, and long-term investments for guys. Yeah, and in the case of Jaden, like I actually do think he – like I don't doubt the athleticism at all. Uh, it's just the way that he utilizes that athleticism on the court that is not particularly translatable to getting the most out of it on a basketball court at the college and NBA levels. Like he was able to do it in high school. And I think he just needs to continue to adjust to be able to, uh, get more of it at the NBA level. Yeah. I, I am just, uh, I'm interested in seeing if NBA scouts, GMs give the same benefit of the doubt to guys with lower minutes in a Keon Johnson and Jane Springer than they did to guys like Devin Vassell and Patrick Williams at Florida State. Not saying the same caliber of prospect necessarily, but the the limits, I wouldn't say restriction, just kind of limitation with the deeper rotation of guys. Sure. Uh, all right, you're up at 24. I'm up at 24. I'm just going to get crazy from here to the end. I'm going to preface by saying that now, and I'm going to go with Marcus Bagley from Arizona State. Yeah, reason, reasonable. I have him in the first. I don't have him yeah. uh, as high as this, but yeah. So started off strong. He's injured. He's out for a month. Uh, we talked about Arizona State just sputtering a little bit. Does have a good-looking stroke from three. He's learning to show the athletic tools a little bit more. 61 threes attempted, only 26 twos attempted. He's kind of settled into the role of doing that and hasn't tried to step out of that. They run a lot of stuff for him. He didn't look great the other night. The, the numbers don't pop at, at 38 from the field and 38 from three, 12 points and six rebounds a game. But I, I mentioned a, a couple pods before. He does have real athleticism to him. The shot looks good. If he's standing in the corner and has a creator, uh, I trust that he's going to be able to knock down enough where he can find a place in a rotation eventually down the road. Yeah, no, I think that's all all reasonable. The thing that worries me is I don't think he can dribble right now yeah <laughs> shoot past dribble i gotta do three yeah yeah i gotta gotta be able to do all three at the next level uh not a great finisher either weirdly despite like being six eight and seven foot wingspan and like having all of the tools that you're looking for not a not a great shooter 
right now, weirdly. Yeah, last last night he had, a, I think it was in the first half, he, he went to the rim, one of the first plays of the game, and just kind of like threw himself into the defender rather than trying to like power through and finish. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, he's a kind of a bizarre prospect right now because so much of it is unfinished. You're essentially just betting on him looking like an NBA player and being right, able to shoot. Right. Yeah, I mean, we had him, I think, around 15 last time, so i got to bump him down a few pegs. But it's, yeah, it's a bet. It's, it's a, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're putting in your stock into one of these dumb sites that's going on right now and hoping that you get your money back on the back end. Oh, yeah. No, I love it. Let's, let's dive right into AMC, baby. <laughs> Save the movies. Save the world. Okay. Next for me, I'm going to go, oh, man, this is where it gets hard because, like, they're just, yeah. like, random dudes that, mm-hmm. I'm at 25. I'm going to bet on Terrence Clark to figure some shit out. Mm. Uh, he's, I think he is the guy for that Kentucky team and going back to like the earlier tape that A, just like plays super fucking hard all the time and B, gets the most out of his physical tools on the court. Like he can't shoot yet at all. But he's six six with like a damn near seven foot wingspan. He has great athleticism. And I think that if you put that athleticism, which is translated to the college game in an NBA spacing and like floor, I think that that would work really well. Like with BJ Boston, I actually have like some worries about what his athleticism and ability to get by defenders looks like at the NBA level. With Terrence Clark, I don't really have that. With Clark, I don't really have worries that like he has tools to be a good defender. I think that he has all of that skill and like he frankly just gives a shit and it translates at the NBA level. I, I just like don't, I don't love the skill set yet. And I think it's going to take a lot of time for him to really get through a lot of the issues he's going to have early in his NBA career. But if you're willing to put in some time, like I, think that there might be some starter upside here which pick was that what number that number is 25 all right well, we're gonna get nuts because i have 26 and i'm just gonna springboard this into i'm taking a wild card pick and i'm taking bj boston so we yeah. can continue on the kentucky wave and i'm doing this because he still was a top five recruit coming out of high school there's still something there i think he found his happy place a little bit with 18 points for game against, i'm sorry 18 points against georgia 18 points against LSU. He's still only 18% from three, but I remember that five-star recruit. I hope if you're 26, you're going to be in a a veteran locker room contending playoff team, most likely. So if you're one of those guys that's a, I don't know, say a, what, four seed maybe in the East or the West, if you can get BJ Boston who has the talent, you don't need him to play right away. Maybe stash him in the G League for a little bit. If that reaches who he was supposed to be it's going to be a great pick so against alabama two of nine for eight picks. <laughs> i know i know i know I, I lsu is not very good defensively at least we can say I, I, he dropped I, 18 yes, I, georgia I is not very good dropped 18 auburn is pretty good he went for two of nine and five points alabama again two of seven five points florida three of eight six for six from the line uh That's okay had four steals, like mm-hmm. was pretty good against Florida. Um, was not very good against Mississippi State, four for 13, was not very good against Louisville, three for 11, was not very good against UNC, five for 14. Um, did do some other stuff against UNC though. Like I thought he rebounded well. I didn't think he was like 
an abject failure defensively in that game. So, <laughs> right. Well, you, like, you Terrence Clark too. I mean, Terrence Clark was even starting toward the end there, and, and he he had some not great offensive output performances. Uh, it, it's it's look. I, I see the guys are on the board. There's some bigs left here. Some other guys who haven't necessarily fared well. Uh, I just hope that he's able to put it together and makes me look smart for taking him in the late twenties. Yeah, I would. Uh, I hope you that hate it. it. Works I know it's for, off your board, but yeah. <laughs> I hope it works for BJ Boston. I, I don't have BJ as a top forty guy right now, but I hope it works for BJ Boston. Like I just have not seen enough. Like it, it looks like the bad version of Romeo Langford right now. Hmm. You can't. Yeah, I mean, he's been hurt, but he can't even play in Boston right now. Yeah, right. Which worries me. But a little bit. yeah, but Romeo. I mean, it was famously drafted right after Tyler Hero, but that was what the fourteenth overall pick, fifteenth overall. Right. Whatever, around that range. But we're at twenty, twenty-five, twenty-six right now. I'm, I'm happy with that. Okay, number twenty-seven. My second to last pick. Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Io Desunmu. Ooh. He's playing right now as we talk, right? Uh, yeah, they're playing Iowa. Believe they're playing Iowa. Uh, twenty-two points, six rebounds, five assists a night, forty-nine percent from the field, thirty-nine percent from three, eighty-two from the foul line. Uh, defends his ass off as well. Like defends one through four for Illinois. Look, the jump shot continues to be the worry here. Uh, the jumper has continued to drop in terms of percentages because he's still not there yet as a shooter. But there is real growth that he continues to show every year with the jump shot. He is a much better free throw shooter this year. It's clearly a lot more comfortable coming out of his hand this year, and he's even more comfortable as a pull-up mid-range shooter. It's hard for me to get past Io at this point. Uh, Again, dribble, pass, defend at least. Doesn't really shoot yet to a level with which I am comfortable, but at some point, production does matter. And the fact that he is, like, for me, I mean, he'd have to be, a, like, a, at least a second-team All-American, right? Something like that? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'd say second right now, for sure. Yeah. If so, not first. I mean, some people might put him first, depending on how they finish. Yeah, if he can shoot it, he's definitely a third guard in the NBA. In the NBA. Like, I have zero doubts about that. It's just whether or not he can shoot. He's one of the guys I'm really, 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 really interested to see. If somebody reaches for him, if he slides down, I had him at 35, so a little bit lower than you. I have all the same positives about the good stuff he does, and I do worry about the shooting stuff and how he just is able to be more of just another guy and just another wing. Uh, I think I liked him a little bit more, say, like week two of the season, but to be able to still ride 22 points per game is something to, I don't know, track and monitor. And It's just he's a funny guy where it's just a wide – he. He probably has the widest range, draft range, I think, of guys that I've talked to. Is there anyone you think you can even say is maybe, maybe Charles Bassey is the other one? Bassey'd be up there because I've talked to teams yeah. who think he's like a first. And then I've talked to executives, like specific people, not necessarily teams that like don't think he's a draftable player. So like, Got it. yeah, probably Bassey, but like among non bigs, because bigs are always going to have a wider range than everyone. Uh, among non bigs, I would say Sumu is probably the widest range yeah okay all right we're uh we're winding down here what are we at 20 you're at 28 so you're up 28 i'm gonna take a we're gonna ride the last podcast into this one you probably don't have him on here let's get josh primo in the first round i'm gonna take josh primo this young is, late this rising is a pro- lot 
Why? If you, we just said this. If you get a guy at 28 and get him a guarantee, like we're, yeah. we're splitting hairs over AO and Trey Mann and Turn Shannon. Like I just like his upside more than the rest of the guys that are on the board. Can really shoot the basketball, get him in the G League, hope he pans out in two years. If I'm, I don't know who's gonna who's gonna be in the NBA Finals. Like, get him on the Lakers. Get him on. I mean, Brooklyn probably just traded all their picks. Get him on the Bucks. Like, he'll be fantastic. You don't need him to do anything for two years, and then he's gonna pop out and be six six shooter. Be like, where'd they get that guy? The thing that worries me is like he was billed as like kind of a combo from what I gathered coming in, right? A little bit, yeah. Like he doesn't pass at all. Like he's not a passer. At, he like in have the slightest. Herb Jones passes for him, yeah. Catch yeah, and try and outscore you. Try and score a hundred. I, I get that, but the role here is just so simple for him. Like it, it's really, literally, just catch and shoot. Like that's yeah. all he has to do, and then like attack the closeout occasionally, right? Um, I think that something like sixty percent of his shots come from three. So how does this work? We we just don't know enough about the rest of his game for me to feel yeah, comfortable. Right. Right, right. I'm saying I don't know how it works, but I'm saying I, I like it more than the the five to ten guys I have kind of left here. Yeah, I, I don't have like I will have Primo as like a top seventy guy or so, but like I I, I can't get there over even like David Duke, who I, again like I don't have as a first rounder, but uh, yeah, I have Duke thirty seven. Yeah, like I have Duke probably right around that range as well, but like we at least. Like Duke just does more. Like Bones mm-hmm. Highland is like a top forty-ish guy for me. Um, yeah, I had him right behind. I had him in between Duke and Bassey. Yeah, yeah. Like Bones Highland is kind of just better than Josh Primo, right? Smaller, right. but like, but, but, but can look, here, here's things? my here, here, here's my quick case for it. If he next year we come back and and hopefully we're friends and we still do this and we're like, oh, he's twelfth. Like I'd be happy at taking him twenty eighth year before and, and rolling the dice on it. Yeah, it's true. It's a, it's a really good case. Like I think that your case for taking him is absolutely sound. And it's, it makes it's a the lot case, of sense. It's the case of yeah, it's a case of our picks. I'm not saying like an NBA team's going to do it, but if we're looking down the road, that's that's what I would invest in. Okay, I'm going to go twenty nine here, and I'm going to go a little bit off of what I would imagine your board is. Uh, mainly, mainly just because I want to talk about this guy as much as anything. And, uh, it's Kessler Edwards at Pepperdine. Ooh, uh, okay. Shooting 39 from three this year at six foot eight, 200 pounds. He is a really, really, really good help defender. Uh, like very clearly one of, if not the best defender in the WCC, uh, consistently over a steal and a block per game. I think he led the WCC in blocks last year. Uh, so a really, really good weak side rim protector. When he drives to the rim off of closeouts or when he like plays in pick and roll and they hit him as a roller toward the rim, he's a very good finisher at the basket. Very, just like a clearly translatable shooter, in my opinion. Very quick release given his size look maybe this is too high for him like i'm willing to admit that and honestly like i don't like if i didn't just want to kind of bring him up and talk about him i don't know that i would have taken him at 29 Uh, i think he'd be more of a top 40 guy for me but kessler edwards i think is one of those prospects that is pretty real that probably is not being discussed enough seven foot wingspan good hands I do like that he gets, uh, what is it, like a block and a half and a steal a game. So he does some stuff statistically on the defensive end, too. He comes off that pick and pop to fire from three. He can spot in the corner for pick and roll kicks. 
He's ready opposite for kickouts. His his shot just that it, it is, and we we said this before. Just it's a little bit stiff. It's not completely fluid. Uh, I, I do like the upside of him kind of like trailing the play to, to catch and shoot, and you have to close out, and he can open up a lot of other things. I had him a little bit lower. I had him in the forties, but in, in the I guess the guys of, of talking about prospects, I I understand that bring him up here at the end of the first round. All right, number 30. You are up for the last one. Number 30 probably crushed me for this one, too. I'm going to go with Dayron Sharp from North Carolina. Yeah, I have him, like, top 45. Uh, I don't, Ooh, like, way I don't lower. hate it. but So if I if I had a rotational big at 30, I like him the best of North Carolina's posts. 9.7 rebounds per game, only about 20 minutes a clip. Rim runs, runs and jump to finish, keeps it simple, a no-frills guy, strong base, can carve out space, can face up and score a little bit. Uh, I, I just like having him as, as a guy that you can plug in there as as maybe a whatever, ninth, tenth guy to get one of your bigs uh, a breather there at the uh, the end of the second quarter. I just There, there weren't many guards that kind of popped here that I said, that's the guy. You may say an international player, too, that I haven't watched as much of but I was comfortable taking him to, to end the first. Yeah, like Sangoon uh, would be the one that comes out to me just because of the production. But yeah, I mean, I watched the NC State game from, what would that be, like a week ago from when we recorded this. Uh, yeah, really good uh, game for him. Like he had, what, like 16 and 10. He was really active on the offensive glass. Uh, hasn't quite shown the early season passing uh, recently in the games that, I've watched. I know he had four assists against Pitt. I haven't seen that game yet. Uh, but like since I would say really the turn of the calendar prior to that Pitt game, I feel like I hadn't quite seen as much passing, which was a bit less exciting to me uh, than it was early in the season. I think UNC is actually like pretty good right now, by the way, just like as a college basketball yeah. aside. Yep. Uh, they're, they're the team of like the blue bloods that seems to have turned it around a little bit uh like duke is obviously not very good right now kentucky is not very good um who who is the other one that's struggling there's uh take your pick i don't know kansas has been up and down i mean they're not bad yeah. michigan state just got rocked i mean michigan state's the COVID other one that's bad too. that's yeah. the one i was thinking of um but yeah like north carolina i think has really started to turn it to the point where i think they're probably a top four team in the acc like, I think I would take Virginia, Florida State, Louisville, and then North Carolina right now. Uh, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, I think, would be like kind of that four or five range right now in the ACC. Yeah, that's right. So, that, so who do we that's miss? A, like, who, who's the guys you'd say here that like, eh, you know, we, we, he probably should have slid in here. Who's your like three or four guys? Yeah, Trey Mann's an interesting one. Uh, the numbers are there, but like when you watch Trey, like it just – it hasn't been as good as what I thought it would be. I was so excited for Trey, like coming in. And look, he's averaging like 15, 5, and 4, shooting 41 from 3 and 81 from the uh, foul line. I think he is like a very real potential first round pick still. But the feel for like how to play is still just not quite there yet for him. Like even as a combo guard, like when to make the right passes, I feel like it's just a, a little bit disappointing. Like I have him as a top 40 guy, but I'm a little bit lower than I thought. Who's one name for you? Yeah, I had Trey Mann right there. I ugh, TJ Shannon maybe. Yeah, that's a good one. I mean, it's it's just he, he's kind of got away a little bit from the slasher that he's known for, and he wants to prove the shooter. 
he is all left hand, but I, I do like how hard he drives. He can, he can pull back a little bit for that jumper, but with the minutes dip, he's not starting. That's not always like the best sign. Uh, but I like his frame. I like his build. He can buy in defensively. I mean, he's right there. I mean, we kind of mentioned Matthew Hurt before. Yep. Trenton Watford's probably pretty close. David Duke, Wieskamp, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think like Jeremiah Robinson Earl slipped a little bit. Ron Harper Jr. is probably there in that range. Uh, Sengun would be a guy for me that you haven't watched a ton of, but is there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Usman Garuba didn't get yep, picked here, yep. but Garuba's just been not very good offensively in the ACB this year. It's been kind of a bummer, uh, honestly. Like, it, it just seems like he is. Like not, he, he hasn't, he hasn't gotten any better, uh, offensively and offensively is where the real concerns are for him long-term. Um, right. Uh, Roko he's, he's pretty good. Oh, Garuba. Yeah. He's a stud defensively. Yeah. I mean, if you just watch the defensive stuff, he's pretty good. Weak side. He's all over the place. But yeah, offensively the game I watched, I thought he had, had ways to go. And some people have him like that mid first round. I just didn't necessarily see that. Yeah. He's a guy that I would be very happy to get at 31 versus in the first round. Uh, I'd be totally happy to take a shot on him figuring things out on offense, maybe figuring out how to shoot at some point because the defensive upside is very real. But he's he's just like nowhere close to NBA level on offense. I don't think. No, I don't. I didn't. I didn't see that when I saw. I mean, just best in that dunker spot, not creating his reaction time offensively. I, I didn't see as kind of like that stretch four with. I read reports his jumper was better. I just thought it was a little hitchy and a little bit awkward. Yeah, no, it's it's not, unfortunately. Like, I had heard the same things, and it's it's not there. Um, trying to think, who else? Who else do we got? Davion Mitchell would be, like, top 45 for me. Uh, Sandro Mamukelishvili would be, like, mm-hmm. somewhere in the top 45-ish for me. Uh, trying to think. Daisha Nix okay. fell out for us. That's a name. Yeah, I put him at 39. Yeah, that sounds about right and fair i think who else what about scotty lewis some people have to end of the first i get it and look i'm an enormous scotty lewis fan i I would love for it to work but i mean when he shoots do you think it's going to go in i do not like i know know it's gonna be high release it's gonna be a high arcing shot but yeah it's it's not not always there been better a little bit more consistent lately yeah coming off covid stuff yeah shooting 39 from three like i totally get it from a percentage perspective he's playing like as hard as he always does i think that the passing has gotten way better this year like that's the making reads making intelligent decisions like that's the one thing that he has taken an enormous jump in but yeah just the i i am not there with the shot at all to the point where i can put him in the first um trying to think if there's anyone else i think that we've covered a lot of a lot of names here yeah i had I took, uh, you know, we did this, I want to say like two weeks into the season, just so much as we've seen. I had yeah. Jalen Wilson a lot higher because when you watch this first four games, it's like, whoa, this guy's able to do this. He's, he's a late first guy. Just, it hasn't been as smooth. He's had some good moments, but not a, a surefire first rounder right now. Probably somebody comes back to school. We talk about that next year. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, think. I think that's it on my end. Uh, do you have anything else that you need to uh, you need to speak on, Matt Penny? I need to speak on. No, I, I think we covered. This is a a rare Friday night uh, 
podcast that it's been uh, enjoyable. This is this is our passion. Mock drafts Friday night for me. It's about I don't know lunchtime for you. Lunchtime on a Saturday for me. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm I'm oh, ready. Day ahead, even better. Your weekend's long been started. Yeah, my weekend's long been started. I am. Uh, I I had a veggie burger for dinner last night. <laughs> went out and went out and grabbed some burgers. The fries at Co Burger here are fantastic. You know, just just an all around solid weekend so far. Just birds chirping, humming. Hey, did in the you backyard. hear birds in this podcast? No, no, I didn't. Not a single bird. Not one. Oh man! I, all these Is windows are bad? shut. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I am like locked up in here. Well, it's it's uh it's nine degrees here, and I turned off the heat in the room. I'm doing this, so we didn't hear the locomotive. So we're uh, we're on the same page. How many like layers of clothes are you wearing right now? I feel like <laughs> it has to be exceptional. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just wearing my uh my Tom Brady UGG slippers, some sweats, and a. Uh, this is weird. What are you wearing right now? Uh, in an Under Armour shirt. I'm good. Jesus, I just asked about like layers. I didn't ask. I, I didn't ask for specific. <laughs> Shameless plug for my old man grandpa slippers over in the house. Yeah. <laughs> the the UGG factors. They are uh, the, the UGGs are fantastic here. I just have to say that. Shout out to UGGs. Yeah. Shout out to UGGs. Love it. Um, okay. This has been the Game Three Podcast. Please remember, rate, rate, review, subscribe. I've got a Denzel movie to watch today or tonight. Little things. Do you have HBO Max, Penny? I do. That's not the Rami Malek one, is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, nice. Okay. I didn't know it was on there yet. It was great. It was a huge Mr. Robot fan. Yeah. Toss that, toss that shit on. It looks great. <laughs> looks like a murder movie, so maybe not for the misses. But no, we're you know. good. We can do murder movies, yeah. Great. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm super excited for it tonight. I've been watching all the Marvel movies again with laura while we puzzle it in the evenings it's it's a delight here little slice of heaven little slice of paradise other side of the globe love it so please remember rate review subscribe i think that my project with prospects in the nba might start this week i'm not sure i'm gonna have to reach out to the editors it could be next week i'm like i'm down to like 20 prospects i still have to write about so I don't know if we want to have everything filed ahead of time or if we want to just have like most of it filed ahead of time, but there'll be a lot of words coming from me. I have a few other stories I'm working on with some of our beat writers, a lot of written content for me coming in the first two weeks of February. So keep it locked at the athletic until next time we will talk soon. Bye.